0: welcome everybody this is table talk and I emphasize the uh, the adjective your healthy theological radio <laughs> 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 and I'm your I'm your host uh, Brent Kuhlman, together with uh, my co hosts Adam Maline and Clint Poppy
1: you have a tape measure are we uh, properly socially social distanced well who knows uh, I, I think we
0: are I, I, I think we're good I think it's all good you know in this pandemic um, People say certain things that they probably regret. I'll put the best construction on it. Um, but maybe they don't. I mean, uh, we have a mayor of uh, New York City, Mayor de Blasio. Uh, somewhat, sometimes he's politely called Comrade de Blasio. But uh, recently he stated that if the churches and synagogues in New York City, if they continue to hold services and don't, don't uh, meet the threshold of 10 or less, then he says we will permanently and I that adverb there permanently shut them down. Uh, what do you think about that, guys? Uh, by what authority does can he do such thing or say such thing?
1: He has no authority to do that. That's what I think. If if like he's posturing for political gain. If we
2: have particular unalienable rights, then no, he has no authority. If we do not have those unalienable rights, then he does have the authority. And there's the question that has to be answered in that, right? As Americans, we have it documented as a part of our um, governmental order that we have these unalienable rights uh, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that we have the right to assemble, we have the right to gather for worship and freedom, uh, to choose the worship of our desire. Um, And if we have those rights, then what he's saying needs to be litigated and he needs to be proved wrong. If we've decided that we don't have that because of this particular crisis, then
0: we have a bigger problem that we have to address. Yeah, I, I you know, for my money, when I first heard that, I was, wasn't surprised. Not at all. Um, really wasn't. I'm not joking when I say that. I was not surprised to hear him say such a thing. And the reason why I was not surprised is because, uh, you know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 146 not to put your trust in princes. And I've, I've spoken many times over my pastoral career that politicians and politics uh, exceed their boundaries, their God-given boundaries. And I think uh, this is an example of it, uh, uh, exceeding the boundaries that God has given uh, authority. Uh, for, for a mayor to say such a thing, Uh, is just absolutely uh, unconstitutional, to say the least. And secondly, it goes against not only natural law, but God's own law. Because Because when I I say natural law, I mean that goes all the way back to the beginning, where there was church in the beginning. You know, God's speaking. He's always speaking in the beginning, and Adam and Eve are listening and saying, Amen, that's church. So natural law in that sense, but then also third commandment, revealed law, uh, and I think this, this is where we have to finally diagnose things as Christian citizens in this country. So on the one hand, yeah, out of love, we, we want to we make sure that we don't get infected and then therefore infect people during this pandemic. And at the same time, at the same time, this over, I, overreach of exceeding your boundary as a politician, acting as if you're some divinity where you can, you can close down churches and synagogues. But and, not Planned Parenthood. Well, see the well, and this gets back to another. Well, way. that's essential,
1: Pastor. Well, Come see on.
0: now this this brings up another. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm going to mention it now. Otherwise, I'll forget. You have the governor of the of the state of New York, Governor Cuomo, who, uh, Fredo, I think he's politely called in some circles, uh, <laughs> where he constantly now he constantly Godfather, if you know the Godfather. Yeah, I, I was exactly just going to say I don't know that that's a polite way uh, to <laughs> say it, but uh, I'll, well, it's an air quotes. I'll, I'll give you a pass. Air quotes. You know, so you have the governor of New York who who now day after day says, "If we save one life, one life, one and a life matters." And yet, he before this pandemic broke, you remember, he and the state legislature said, "Oh, it's perfectly fine to uh, kill a child that's been born alive, as well as killing millions that are in the womb." Uh, the, the the double standard here, for lack of better terminology, it, it's just outrageous. Now, back to the closing things permanently. I think. I think. Let's let's say some more. Clinton, you said. You said. Uh, what? You, what was your reaction? He has no authority, right? Say no, more. He has.
1: Say more. Well, he. As Christians, we believe that God has revealed His will to us in Holy Scripture. There are many, many examples in Scripture where we are called to obey the authorities that God has placed in front of us, our parents and other authorities. And that includes the mayor, the governor, the uh, president, all these things. Uh, And there are also uh, clear examples from God's word that when the authority of these God-given instruments goes contrary to the word of God— We must obey God rather than man. And when it comes to the abortion topic, I think that's very, very clear. If the government says abortion is okay, God's word says abortion is sin, well, then we do everything we can to overturn the laws, uh, elect pro-life people, that kind of a thing. I think we're in the same kind of a situation now. Um, We have politicians that you've brought out that have called Christians irredeemable, Uh, There's no hope. There's no salvation for us. We've been duped. So why should they allow us to play the game of going to church? It's no big deal for them to threaten taxes, threaten assembly, threaten to permanently close churches and synagogues. I thought it was telling that he said uh, uh, he singled out churches and synagogues, but he made no mention of mosques. Um, you want to talk about double standards, uh, double standards, triple standards, uh, they, they abound. Plus, you could go to the park,
0: you could go to Central Park, then you can meet. And there can be thousands of people in Central Park, no big deal there. You know, it is interesting, as I was driving to record this uh, episode today from Murdoch on the interstate, I noticed that there were highway workers working on a bridge. There was at least a dozen of them. you know how it works the joke in Nebraska is you know Nebraska highway workers to do a to do a one-man job it takes at least a dozen. So you had about a dozen guys standing there on that bridge, all there knitly together, violating violating the six to eight foot rule Now that maybe they're exempted I don't know, but why would they be? you know why are they exempted
1: and why, how come we're not? See the double standard in my neighborhood they're yesterday. essential. We're not in my neighborhood yesterday, all of a sudden. Big, big trucks and vehicles and stuff came swooping in to our little cul-de-sac area. The neighbor had a tree cut down. And there were at least 20 people there working on this massive project to take down this giant tree in his backyard. All... Working very closely together, were they wearing masks? Of course not.
0: <laughs> Neither were of these. Of course not. They
1: were wearing eye protection so they didn't get sawdust in their eyes, uh, and I'm sure steel-toed shoes. But the the double standards here uh, are are shocking, are shocking, and the fact that in so many places churches are singled out. You know, we're called to love our neighbor. And here at Good Shepherd, we have a sanctuary that is, according to the fire marshal, rated for 410 people, 400, that's not counting our balcony, that's not counting our north narthex, 410 people. You tell me that we could not seat people, every other pew, socially distanced, family by family, and not have 100 to 150 people in our sanctuary, abiding by every law. There are fewer people there than there were at Hive or Super Saver the last time I was there at each one. So I'm, I'm uh, very, very um, ticked off. Adam. Uh, emotional. Sorry. Adam, I want to ask you a question about this. Yeah. Is, is, well, I'm
0: going to put the worst construction on it here for the sake of the discussion. Are what we're witnessing with our authorities – are they forgetting that they're creatures and they think that they're actually either semi-divine or little divinities because they think they're like God and they that they're in total control of this?
2: I, I think that's what we all are struggling with. Um, the reality is is that for a long time now we've thought we were masters of the world, right? We've been able to uh, sail ships around all the oceans and to conquer the vast wilderness and uh, we can, uh, you know... S- s- uh, get oil out of the ground and uh, get to anywhere else in the world in just a matter of hours. And so we have this idea that we kind of conquered things. Even uh, a year ago or so, you know, we had this idea we were going to land on the moon again and colonize that and then even off to Mars from there as if we are masters of the entire creation. The reality isn't we're just a part of creation. God is the master. And um, I think this is a good way for us to be reminded of that, Uh, not that we're rejoicing in this illness or the circumstances of people's death or suffering. But the truth is God is in charge and he's told us that we're going to die in this world. He hasn't told us how or when or anything like that. He hasn't told us that we're the masters of this world, but rather he is. And so He's reminding us of that. We have the opportunity then to repent and to return to Christ and let him be the Lord uh, of the world, to let the earth be the footstool under his feet, uh, to let all authority in heaven and earth be returned to him just as it's supposed to be, because we're learning very clearly right now that we're actually not as powerful or great or wonderful as
0: we had previously thought. See, I I think that's the the spiritual diagnosis that we need to make clear. That on the one hand, God God has given us the reason and the abilities as His creatures to to discover oil and pull it out of the ground. He's given us the wherewithal to diagnose uh, illnesses and uh, properly treat them, etc. Antibiotics,
2: even yeah. th- the oil thing, you know. To uh, we're going to reduce the. Um, carbon footprint of all the people so that the world lasts even longer than it would have before. This idea, we're masters. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
0: Well, that's where I was headed with this. You see, so on the one hand, yes, we have earthly work that God has given us to do. That goes to Genesis, have dominion. And so we are Lord over everything for the sake of taking care of everything. And so that, that's the this worldly work. So yeah, sail the seven seas. Take a, take a rocket ship to Mars or to the moon or whatever. But it's, it's for this life, for this world. The, the temptation is that this is salvific, isn't it? That's the problem, isn't it?
2: Right, and it goes against you know, Psalm 24. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and those who dwell therein. I mean, that's the reality that we're learning again, right? It doesn't belong to us. It isn't ours. We're not masters. God is, and He's the
0: one who then can save us from this world that's going to fall apart one way or another. Now I know we're short of time, and I'm going to make this remark, but we can shorten the next segment, is uh, so we must pray as Christians. We must pray for those in authority. We must pray for the uh, for the doctors and the specialists who are trying to find uh, antidotes, etc., cetera, uh, so that they do their work well for the sake of this world. So that they don't forget that their their God given vocation is for this world and for this life. And it's not salvific. I think that's the problem with uh, the mayor of New York. I really think that he has the Genesis 3 problem. You shall be his God. And he thinks that this is salvific. And I think that's why he says these things. And even, I mean, to put
2: the best construction on it, if he doesn't really think that's the case, he's at least using that idea to try and get himself more power and votes and election election capital for the next uh, time that he's running again and i think
0: that's also a part of it here as well we'll be back
1: you are listening to KNNALP lp 95.7 fm lincoln nebraska
0: Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Table Talk, and again, I emphasize the adjective: your healthy theological radio addiction. Clint, you were saying uh, during the break. You mentioned this term essential. This is one of the big words that's used during this pandemic. Say what you wanted to say about essential, because we hear this ton.
1: Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I know what I want to say with regard to it. Um, we have been. We have been uh, catechized by the world leaders, sometimes the medical profession, that people should limit contact with others. Uh, some places have enacted a stay-at-home order. Uh, we have this as close as Kansas City right now. Yeah, Wichita as, has. Yeah. As, we're, mm-hmm. as we're recording this program, maybe by the time you hear the program, maybe it'll be here, I don't know. But, um, and that only essential people... Can, uh, can leave their house. For quite some time, we've been told people should stay at home unless what they are doing is essential. Uh, Brother Kuhlman, if I may say so, you were scheduled to have a shoulder repair surgery. That surgery was canceled because it was not considered essential. Um, this word has been bantered about. It is a very subjective word. It means exactly what you want it to mean. And um, my frustration has been that it is essential that we be able to go to the grocery store. It is essential that we be able to drop our kids off at daycare. It is essential for the dishwasher and the bedpan cleaner to go to the hospital and to the nursing homes. What is not essential? And by the way, we're not
0: arguing that. that's No, no, opposite. no, I'm just yeah. saying. Just that, so people understand
1: this. But yeah. it is not essential for pastoral care. A brother pastor, uh, uh, don't need to get into the details, called me from South Dakota, had one of his members at uh, Bryan West Hospital here in Lincoln, Nebraska. The member is dying. He called me up and said, Would you go and visit my member? I went and was turned away at the door. About 60 minutes later, this person passed away. Um, So I I was not able to go and offer comfort from God's word. I would have happily washed my hands, answered a battery of questions, just like the other quote-unquote essential workers do to come in. I would, have, I would have been more than happy to do that. Yeah, take your temperature, all that, jazz. Yes, I would have been more than happy to do that. But uh, pastoral care and bringing the word of God to people who are sick, who are shut in, who are isolated, who are in nursing homes, and even those who are dying is considered non-essential work, Right now, not to mention corporate worship doesn't matter if your sanctuary holds 30 people or if your sanctuary holds 410. The rule of 10 applies the same to everyone. I I just think common sense has been thrown out the window and I would like it's not going to happen, but I would like a an objective definition to this term. See,
2: I don't think there can be one because we have different end games in mind, right? The world hates Christianity and all that has to do with it, and its end game is death, and it wants to put that off as long as possible. Whereas for us, the end game is eternal life uh, in Christ's kingdom, resurrection, and the new creation. All these things are what our end game is, and that's our number one priority, whereas for the world, keeping people alive is their number one priority, or at least uh, in this particular instance, right? With different end games, I don't think we can have the same word for essential, because essential to eternal life is hearing the word and keeping it. Uh, Blessed are those who do that, Jesus says. Um essential for eternal life is um, receiving faith through the work of the Holy Spirit who works in word and sacrament. The world for... For its perspective, its end game, keeping people alive, sees that might harm somebody because it doesn't believe that there's a resurrection. It doesn't believe there's a world to come. It doesn't believe that there's anything past death. And so it's to be feared and avoided and and stopped at all costs, whereas for us as Christians, we know it's just the portal to to life. We say that psalm at the graveside, don't we? Uh, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. I'm just quoting it wrong now here off the top of my head, but you know that psalm I'm talking about. Yeah, is it
0: Psalm absolutely.
1: 118? Oh, psalm 118, open. Oh, open to oh, me the gates of righteousness. the gates of beauty. That, <laughs> and we say that at
2: the graveside, saying what? This body that we're planting here is going to get up, and this is going to be at the door to them waking up into eternal life, and that's the hope we have. The world doesn't have that hope, and it changes everything.
0: Now I'll continue just simply for the sake of the discussion here. Uh, just put worst-case scenario, worst construction on things. Um, we've been told, uh, we've been told the playbook by Emmanuel and I'm not talking about Jesus Emmanuel. I'm talking about Rob Emmanuel, the former mayor (laughs) of Chicago. That was a good one. (laughs) You know, that was a good one. Uh, he, he, he gave us the playbook of what these people really think and what they're all about. And again, I, I'm just saying this so that people understand what's going on to a certain extent in our country. He said, never let a crisis go to waste. Now, folks, if you've never heard that, it's about time you learn this. So if if there is a crisis, you don't let it go to waste. If there's not a crisis to get your end game uh, accomplished, then you will create one. Now, just think about that, folks. Now, at the same time, Clint, I think, generally speaking, that people, people have the understanding that when this coronavirus you know when, when when we get it under control things are going to get back to normal what do you think about that I
1: think there will be a completely new normal and I think uh, you know right now we've been scared uh, with this panic scared into a frenzy with regard to a uh, an invisible war as some have called it with with this uh, coronavirus um I think that people were very, very uh, quick to give up many of their rights that we enjoy here in America, including our right to assemble, our right to worship as we choose, and um, what's going to happen next year when it comes cold and flu season. Uh, I, I fear for uh, what, what will happen to corporate worship. Right. In America.
0: I do, too, because the precedent has been set now in our generation that people elected or unelected, and even if they are elected, make decisions that they're not constitutionally given to make. Uh, I, this, that, th- this That's is, why we got
2: to litigate these things all the way up to the Supreme Court. So say you, more. What are you talking about? Well, so if— Uh, The mayor of New York tries to close a church or a synagogue. It needs to go all the way to the Supreme
0: Court. Permanently. That was the key.
2: If um, these other places, the same thing, right, where um, the right to assemble has been taken away from us, we need to litigate that all the way up to the Supreme Court. There's a pastor who was just arrested for having church uh, in Florida this last week. They did the every other pew thing like you were talking about earlier, Clint, and he's in jail right now uh, because he violated that. He was arrested.
0: Is this in Tampa? You're talking
2: about the I Tampa? I believe so. Yeah. All right, no,
0: I'm going to back that up just a minute. So you said he, he kept the federal guidelines, According the CDC to his guidelines. lawyers. Yeah. According to his lawyers. Well, this, this is what I fear. Again, I'm putting worst case scenario here just simply for the sake of discussion. I fear that things won't go back to, quote, normal. Because you raised an interesting point, Clint. What do we do next, winter? When another virus comes about, well, the precedent has been set. And so we have people who will make fiat decisions that will apply to everyone, one size fits all. Uh, I've got a lot of fear about that kind of thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I and uh, you know there there are many churches that are are really scrambling, trying to be faithful. Yeah, trying to be faithful in how they bring the word of God and the gifts of God to people. I mean, a lot of a uh, lot of churches that have have entered into the YouTube uh, fray, doing things on Facebook. Uh, we're we're very fortunate here at Good Shepherd. We have our own radio station, but we've we've really. Uh, gone into the internet age as far as visual kind of things too. And what happens when YouTube or Facebook says uh, these messages are offensive because they, on- they say there's only one way to heaven <clears throat> or they call uh, homosexuality or abortion or women's ordination sin. Um, we, we, if we become too dependent on these things, then it's just a matter of time before the progressive censorship takes that away from us too. And so I, I fear what this new normal will, will look like. And when I say that, uh, God's in control of all things. Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. But things are changing before our very eyes. It seems like we've been dealing with this for six months. As we record this program, it hasn't even been three weeks yet. Adam, you think things can going to go back to
0: normal after this supposedly gets under control?
2: Well, I would look back uh, for a substantive example to September 11th, right? Yeah. Uh, did things go back the way they were before? Were we able to <laughs> fly in airplanes the way we had before? Even, I mean, even the knowledge, right? So you have the knowledge, okay, somebody who hijacks this might kill us by flying it into a building, That would motivate me a little bit more, should I be on an airplane that gets hijacked, to stop that from happening, Uh, even if my own life was in peril. And yet, now we have it, you have a four-hour line standing in, get x-rayed, get felt up by uh, TSA employees, just so you can get on an airplane. Things did not go back. And
0: And I I think that's the example. I multi,
1: multi-million dollar federal (laughs) agency and workers that had be had to be creative, taxpayer funded. Um, uh, the the new the the new normal after nine eleven is still being written, right. all these years later. So that that said,
2: God's in charge, and while things might not naturally progress forward into the normal, there's also historic examples where things have collapsed and fallen apart, and a new normal that more resembles what we were probably used to in the past comes out of that. And so, uh, I have no idea what's going to happen. I know what I'm called to do is to preach the word, to trust that God will overcome all these things and that, uh, uh, in the end we'll live forever in his kingdom. That's where my hope and promise is even take they our lives. Um, that's where, where I have my hope.
0: Yeah, one of, my, one of my good friends who's the pastor Emmanuel Eagle, I think when he, when he preached a sermon recently about this pandemic, he, he raised the issue of who do you fear? Do you fear a virus or do you fear God above all things? So I want to offer this as a prayer, and then we'll, we'll say goodbye. Let us pray. Gracious God, our heavenly Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, taught, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The fear of you is the beginning of wisdom, for in the fear of you there is nothing left to fear. Our world is in turmoil and fear. We fear for our health, our lives, our future. Calm our fears in the fear of you. Turn our hearts and minds toward you and keep them in Christ Jesus our Savior. Fix our focus on Christ and his coming, lest our anxieties over things temporal, we lose sight of the things eternal, that he has won for us by his dying and rising. Hear us for his name's sake, For endurance, gracious God, your holy apostles have written that suffering produces endurance, character, and hope. Grant us patience, endurance in this time of anxious waiting. Straighten our crooked backs and strengthen our wobbly knees and arms. We've grown flabby and complacent in our comforts. So now make us spiritually strong, lean, and fit at the very core of our being. Build our character through this that we may emerge a stronger people, bold in faith and prodigal in love. Instill hope in our hearts for the glory yet to come at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear us for his name's sake. Amen. Well, I hope that was helpful, folks. God be with you and stay Lutheran, my friends.